Tonight, as you have probably been following along, or if not, if you're first time joining us, uh, we welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in the book of Leviticus here on Wednesday nights. We're just getting started, so it's a great timing if you're just plugging in and following along. I know Leviticus must be your favorite book, and you have been looking forward to this. Uh, it's just taken 10 years to get to this book, but we finally are getting to this book after going through all the other books, but not even all the other books. We've still got lots to get for the 66 books total, but we're not rushing, are we? No, we're not rushing. We want to just nice and methodically go through all the scriptures so that uh, with a great anticipation, with the hope that we don't get to finish all 66 and the Lord takes us home and raptures us out of here before we do. So it's all good. Let's open up a uh, word of prayer here and let's see if I get my heart settled here, my mind settled, and, uh, and we're going to cover, yes, chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5. Yes, I know it's a miracle tonight. Father, we thank you for this evening and we thank you, Lord, for uh, uh, bringing us here to, to just to sit at your feet, to worship you in song, singing truth to you from our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll just just speak to our hearts tonight as we read your scripture here and uh, what you have for us and intended for us this evening. There's a reason and a purpose. We are listening to this, this message, Lord, as we read your word. Just mold us, shape us, change us, encourage us, convict us, whatever needs to be done, Lord. You know what needs to be done in our hearts individually. We thank you and praise you for all of your love, your grace, and your mercy upon each of our lives. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. The Pedatuch, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, given by the Holy Spirit, the words to Moses to write down for us to read this evening. We're in the third book, the book of Leviticus. And as we take a look at the third book, Leviticus, we noticed last week when we started off with chapter 1, the Israelite believers worshipped and walked before a holy God, the holy God, the one and only holy God. And God's expectations, God's standard, is that his children would also walk holy, not to, to live a life that is less than what his expectations of who he is. No parent, no father says, this is my life that I live and I want my kids to have a, live a lesser life. We always want to be even better for our children. Well, our Heavenly Father wants us to be like him, to live a holy life, and he gave his people, his, the Israelites, and for us, Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, which is the book of holiness, of separateness from the world, and of forgiveness. That is what the book of Leviticus is about, and that forgiveness is at a price. And we will see through the Leviticus, it is a picture of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. And you must always, as we read through this, see the connections. See as the Holy Spirit leads you to show you the connections to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ himself through this Leviticus tells New Testament Christians, such as you and I, how to appreciate holiness, to embody holiness into our everyday lives and every aspect of our life, not just our church life, but our entire being. It's who we are, your character, and that character must come out in all aspects of your life. You cannot have a facade, and you cannot live a partial life for God. Holy here, but not unholy over here, and, and live a secret life here. and all That does not work, will never work. You'll be the most miserable Christian in your life. And so that's not what we want for you. We want you to grow. In chapter 1 last week, we covered the burnt offering. And I took that separately from the rest of them. First of all, I wasn't sure if I could get through six chapters in the first, or you know, all five chapters at one time. But 
the fact that I wanted to make sure you understood the burnt offering was critical, and then all these other offerings are in, in, in conjunction as we go through each of these purposes of them, we'll understand why the burnt offering must be first, and then the rest of these offerings follow in God's order. And he's a God of order. And it reflects the heart behind the burnt offering. We saw it in the desire to give everything to God. When they came to do a burnt offering, they laid it all at the altar. They had it all consumed and burnt. They laid all of the sin, and it represented the fact that uh, that man bringing that burnt offering, it represented him and his family that represented it. In some cases, the entire tribe. And it was for the whole nation of Israel to come and to do that. And the male, the the head of that household or that... uh, uh, yeah, household that he represents that 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 bull or that that goat or or the the uh, the sheep or the uh, the two turtle doves or the those were representing a a covering of a of the blood covering of on the altar there in front of the tabernacle to be a covering of the sin of that family um, and that man represented that uh, that family. And we see there that it is a desire to give and lay everything. I surrender all. I surrender all. We're saying that tonight. That is our burnt offering. We lay it all at his feet. We want to surrender all, not just pardon certain things, but all. It's an attitude that we must have as we come to worship a holy God. And when everything was burnt before the Lord on the altar, there was nothing held back. And this pleased the Lord. That's the main thing you have to remember. This pleased the Lord, and we saw it multiple times. It was a sweet aroma before God's throne. It was the best-smelling barbecue smell going up into heaven you've ever been. When all of those sacrifices were being completely burned right there on that altar. And as we continue here in chapter 2, we're going to see some additional offerings The first one here that we see tonight in chapter 2 is the grain offering. And we see here that we'll start off here in in chapter 2 verse 1. When anyone offers a grain offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it. He shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, one of whom shall take from it his handful of fine flour and oil with all the frankincense, and the priest shall burn it as a memorial on the altar, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering shall be Aaron's and his sons, and it's most holy of the offerings to the Lord made by fire. Now we take a look here just in the first three verses here of chapter 2, we see the presentation of the next offering, the grain offering, also referred to as the meal offering. And it's this grain or meal offering was one way of, for the Jews to dedicate to God that which he had enabled them to produce. So they were coming and giving this offering because they recognized what they were able to physically produce food for their families, for the nation of Israel, was something that you gave back and you showed an an offering you gave back to God because of the blessing that he provided for you. And it was very clear how much corn and wheat came up and everything. It was a blessing because you just didn't know how much you were going to get. And I think in this today's world, we lose that offering or that way of worshiping God, coming to the altar, coming with our portion, our meal, our grain offering, because we just automatically know, for most people, I've got a steady job. The money just keeps coming. It's, no, it's, it's like, of course they're going to give it to me. It's only when you lose your job when you start crying out to God, Oh God, please provide for us. Or some people don't even do that now. Why? Because now they just say, Well, what government organization is going to give me money? Because they have to pay me money. And I want a president who's going to give me more money. And you don't even even recognize that it's God's providing for you. 
You just see it's an organization that's doing it or the government's doing it. You don't understand that God is giving it through maybe those sources. But you and I, we know in the scriptures, are we to work and then get paid. No work, you shouldn't get paid. And it's just those kinds of understandings of what the scripture shows. But it's a form of worship, a form of offering back to God because you're so thankful for that he's providing or producing for you to be able to live, you and your family. But here, they understood it. They understood, they start there, and it was a, this grain offering was a typically fine flour. It was mixed with a bit of oil and frankincense. It was a portion of the flour that they were able to produce from what they physically produced uh, and growing. And it was burnt before the Lord on the altar that we see. And the remainder was given to the priests for their own use in making bread for the priests and his family. Because what you bring, every, any offering you bring to the altar, it is used to provide for those who are ministering to the people. In this case, Aaron and his sons, who were the priests uh, from the uh, Levite tr uh, tribe, and, uh, and they were the ones being provided by the, the people that were coming to, sac the, to offer and sacrifice. And it was also a memorial at the, uh, the altar we see here, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. God allowed and received this bloodless sacrifice as an expression of thanksgiving. When you give a portion of what you have received, us for us is money. Or sometimes it could be food, it could be whatever, but you're giving it to and bringing it to the altar. It is a bloodless sacrifice and is a conjunction with a has to first have a burnt offering, has to be done first. Then the bloodless offering comes with a, a form of thanksgiving for what God has produced for you for that season. It's not as an atonement for sin. It was just in this society, it was fitting symbol of thanks for God's faithful provision. That's why they did it. In verse 4, we continue and it says, If you bring an offering, a grain offering baked in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mixed with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. But if your offering is a grain offering baked in a pan, it shall be a fine flour unleavened mixed with oil. You shall break it in pieces and pour oil on it, and it is a grain offering. If your offering is a grain offering baked in a covered pan, it shall be made in a fine flour with oil. Verse 8, you shall bring grain offering that is made of these things to the Lord, and when it is presented to the priest, he shall bring it to the altar. Then the priest shall take from the grain offering a memorial portion and burn it on the altar, and it is offering made by fire a sweet aroma to the Lord. And what is left of the grain offering shall be Aaron's and his son's. And it is most holy of the offerings to the Lord by fire. Did you notice that? It's the most holy of the offerings to the Lord made by fire. So when we take a look at this, we see that the grain offering could also be brought in the form of many different forms. We can see the, that it was a fine flour already cooked. And it could be baked in an oven. It could be cooked on a griddle. And we could see that it could be cooked with a covered, uh, as a covered pan. So there's different ways the ladies could prepare the offering that was going to be brought to the, 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 the tabernacle. And we see when we take a look at that, that no matter what form the grain offering had to be prepared at home, and we can imagine this, this ancient Jewish woman carefully preparing the best her kitchen could produce, and so methodically making sure it was just perfect before there, she was ready to offer it to, to, to be taken to, to the, the tabernacle and presented to God as a sacrifice. And it was this expression of devotion of God began at home and it offered with the right heart in preparing that food so that it would become a sweet 
aroma to the Lord. Now the covered pan worked like a modern deep fat fryer, if you remember, because you've got the, the flour, you've got the oil, and it's got the heat. And so many people believe it's like a flat bread or like a pizza dough or, you know, <laughs> or a good donut. You know, it's a little bit of, you know, something is going to be really scrumptious to be able to take and give as a sacrifice based on what you could see. But so they had variations of what that product looked like once they produced it. But it, it all came with the right heart and devotion of giving the best to God there for as a grain offering. Now, the grain offering was brought as fine flour or prepared bread as a portion went to the priests for their food support. Again, they, the priests had to live somehow. They had to eat. And so it's through the offerings they get a portion of it so that that's how they, God provided for them to be able to minister to the people and to run, you know, to run the tabernacle and do all those uh, sacrifices. In verse 11, we see... No grain offering which you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall burn no leaven nor any honey in any offering to the Lord made by fire. So we see a little bit of a stipulation of what you cannot do, and that is that no grain offering which you bring to the Lord is made with leaven or honey. Leaven was prohibited because it was a type of what? sin that we see in the scripture so it was a form of a, a symbol of sin and that is always not to be in when it comes to sacrificing or to worshiping God you cannot have un sin cleaned out of your life you've got to repent of it you must they must swept it out of their houses we will see in the future but when they came they could not bring any bread that had leaven in it this leaven wasn't merely yeast, but a pinch of, in some cases, a pinch of dough left over from the previous batch, as in the making of like sourdough bread. And they were not to do that because it could not have that enhancement of a sourness or sourdoughness to the offering, the grain offering that they brought. This was how bread was commonly leavened in the ancient world was taking a little bit of pinch of one and putting it over there to allow it to create uh, leaven and to make to puff up but for offerings they cannot do that they were not to bring anything with leaven in it whatsoever uh, to do now for the work of leaven was considered an illustration of the work of sin and pride if there was anything in it and that was not to be that was to symbolize I've gotten rid of my pride. I've, I've gotten, I've confessed, I've, I've, I've put aside the, uh, sin, and I'm coming with this offering to the Lord with a clean heart. And the presentation of, of, of uh, the recognition, let me put it that way, the recognition that a little leaven will absolutely corrupt a large portion. It takes a little bit of leaven to spoil the entire batch of a large portion. And so we got to make sure it be obvious that we, back then, they were to recognize not even a pinch of sin could be in their life. They cannot let anything of sin allowed in their life. If they knew it was sin, they had to get rid of it. And that was in the form of that form of grain offering uh, worship. Nor were they put any honey in it. No honey in any offering to the Lord made by fire. Honey was not allowed because it was a favorite sacrifice to the pagan deities of that day. God did not want to be worshipped after the customs of pagans. So leaven can make things artificially sour, or they can be, honey can make it artificially sweet. Two extremes. And God did not want either of these in the sacrifice. Don't have any extremes in the form of worship, be it sour or be it sweet. Do not be bringing this to the altar. And when we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, he wants us to come just as we are. Don't be coming in in a certain way of an attitude without you know, artificially making yourself something that you're not. 
Or you feel like you've got to get your life right before you can come to uh, the Lord. Or your life has to be really bad, really sour before you, you can come to the Lord. No, come as you are. And lay it completely down. And so we need to see ourselves as God sees and instructs. In verse 12. As for the offering of the first fruits, you shall offer them to the Lord, but they shall not be burned on the altar for a sweet aroma. So when we take a look at the first fruits were to be offered, but not as other grain offerings. They were to, never to be burned on the altar, but offered with a different procedure or methodology. And we see here in verse 13, And every offering of your grain offerings you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings you shall offer salt." So the very first thing we see here that is a grain offering must include salt in the offering. Salt was an important part of the offering because it spoke of purity. It spoke of preservation, to preserve. And it spoke of expense because salt was an expense. There was a price that they're paying and giving to the Lord in regards to adding salt to the grain offering. Every sacrifice offered to God should be pure. It should be enduring. It should cost something to your life. In this one verse, God repeated the idea three times. To get the point across. You just don't get to come and offer to, something to God if it's not with a pure heart. If it's not something that you're giving freely to Him and for an enduring, to, for the kingdom, for the, to, to, to be lasting. You don't do this and just for the, the sake of, oh, it's just used stuff. We found it in the attic. Just, you know, what are you going to do with it? It's not even worth us taking to the garbage here. Oh, we're going to church. Why don't we go give it to the church? Uh, hello? That's what you're going to give to God? This thing, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't even, you don't even want to spend the money to go throw in the garbage? You're just going to bring it to God and give it to... Come on. So God says, no, you don't come to an offering and do something that doesn't cost you something. It's not enduring long term. It's not preserving or with the wrong heart. It's not pure. We see in verse 14. If you offer a grain offering of your first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits green heads of grain, roasted on the fire, grain beaten from full heads. This is the most the best part of the of the of the grain is the heads. And you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it, and it is a grain offering. Then the priest shall burn the memorial portion, part of the beaten grain, and part of its oil with all the frankincense as an offering made by fire to the Lord. So we see here at the end of chapter 2, we see the fact that in... Um, Back in Leviticus there in chapter 2 verse 12, God told Israel not to bring first fruits offerings in the same manner as the grain offerings. And so here he tells them how to bring a first fruits offering. The idea of first fruits are, were important. The first fruits of the harvest and the first fruits of livestock belong to the Lord. The first harvest, part of the harvest, is the first portion, it's God's. He gave you all of it. How can we not give back the best part to him, a portion of it, that he instructs us to do? This could be considered a risky, understand it's risky, because it takes faith to give offerings to God. Make the connections, I'm hoping you're making the connections here. Here they are, they just had a harvest. They take the first portion that God says and brings it to the altar as an offering. They have no idea if they're going to get any more plants or any more produce or anything else from the field. When they bring the sacrifice, they got, they got their first uh, born livestock. They have no guarantee if that cow is going to have any more livestock. 
know. So they're taking by faith and giving it to God what they, God had given to them. And they're by faith. They know God is going to provide for them. Understand, this, understand when you give to God, it takes faith. That's why God tells us to give the tithes, gifts, and offerings. Because he wants us to learn to live for, by him by faith. You don't know if you're going to get paid again. That's what I said in the very beginning. Many people say, don't take me have faith. I know that government paycheck's going to be there. If not, I'm going to call my congressman. Come on, where's your faith? You still have to have faith to bring it. And some people who struggle paycheck to paycheck, I know you get this. It's only you that get a guaranteed money coming in. This may be a struggle for you to make the linkage. But for you who may be struggling paycheck to paycheck or don't have a paycheck and you're just waiting to try to see how you're going to survive, you are still to bring an offering. And you don't know if you're going to get any more money or any more food to be able to bring anything to God to, as, and faith to worship him. But they must do it anyway. It's the step of faith that God wants you to grow through giving this offering. And so that's why the Lord set it up for his people. The Lord promised to bless the giving of the firstfruits and the firstborn in faith. He promised God cannot go back on his promises. We learn in other recent teachings, God cannot lie. So if he cannot lie and he promises you this is what will happen, you cannot outgive God, you can't, he's going to promise to provide for you, then you must take those steps of faith and learn how to live by faith and not by sight when it comes to your Christian walk. And he was teaching him back then. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Let God do and show up. Just live by faith and give to God as God leads you to give. Now notice on this, you shall put oil on it and uh, on the grain offering and lay frankincense on it. They were thought to sweeten the sacrifice and make it more costly by adding the frankincense to it. So it wasn't just the basics. They are actually sweetening or adding cost, so to say. There was a cost for them to bring this offering. This offering represented Jesus Christ and make the linkage here. The offering represents Jesus Christ as the bread of life, John 6, 32. The perfect one who nourishes our inner person. As we worship him and ponder on his word, he will nourish you. He is the bread of life. And this explains why God laid down such strict conditions for the offerer, the worshiper, to meet before the meal offering would be expected. There had to be a burnt offering before you can then come and worship and give thanks with the meal offering or the, the grain offering. The offering had to be accompanied with oil. Either poured on it, mingled with it, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit of God who was given to Christ throughout, without measure. We see that noted in John chapter 3, verse 34. Keep the link here. The frankincense was burned with the memorial portion represents prayer. We see that in Psalm 141, verse 2. We see that in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. It's a reminder of the petition, Give us this day our daily bread. Matthew 6, 11. So everything that God was teaching His people here, the Israelites, is a form and a picture and an illustration and an understanding of the teachings that they needed to pass through their nation. It would bring us right into the New Testament, the New Covenant, with Christ fulfilling that as the high priest 
as the, the lamb that was slain, the perfect sacrifice, all the things that we're learning through Leviticus is absolutely paramount that you see that the fulfillment in Jesus Christ, fulfillment of the Father, and the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. It's all of this is all linkage, and you must keep that linkage throughout this. It's also had to include the salt. If you remember, we saw that in verse 13. We also know in Matthew 5.13, which speaks of our Lord's purity of character. Now we're on to chapter 3. Woo, we'll see how fast we're going to go with this one. Verse 1. When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, he is, offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without a blemish before the Lord, and he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the, do kill it at the door of the tabernacle meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood all around the altar. Verse 3. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offerings and an offering made by fire to the Lord, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. Verse 4. The two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe uh, attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. And Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is on the wood that is on the fire, as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. We'll stop right there and we'll say that the fact that the offering of a bull and a cow as a peace offering, in contrast to the burnt offering that they were to bring a uh, bull or cow. It, this one is a peace offering sacrifice because of either a male or a female animal could be used, whereas the burnt offering is only could be a, a male uh, animal and it had to be uh, uh, blemish free. This one could be a male or female and without any blemish. And the fact that when they did bring it in this peace offering, the blood of the animal was offered to God along with the fat this time. Why? Because the fat, <laughs> this was, I love this part, the fat was considered to be the prime portion of the animal. Don't cut the fat off. That's the best part of the meat. That's what the Lord is saying here, right? That's as a part of the sacrifice. And there was no mention made of what to do with the meat portions of the animal at all in the scripture here. But this was because the meat portion was to be shared with a part given to the priests. Again, providing for the priests and those who serve. And part given to the one who actually brought the offering this time who had the ability to eat as a part of a fellowship meal with God. This was not an offering to make peace with God. That was, that's going to be with the sin offering that we will talk about in, in, in chapter 4. But this was an offering to enjoy peace with God. This is a celebration and thanksgiving of a peace with God. That's what this offering was about. And the whole reason Jesus made peace between the Father and the believers so that the peace could be enjoyed. So here you are, you're taking, you did your burnt offering, now you're coming with your, this, uh, the, the grain offering to, to form of, of, of thanksgiving. Now you're coming with a peace offering to show that you can now enjoy and rest in the peace with God that you have. That's what they're to do. The greatest peace offering that we see in the scripture, that we've seen annotated in the scripture, happened to be with Solomon. Solomon dict, uh, the, dedicated the temple, if you remember. His offering to God, his peace offering was 22,000 cattle, and 120,000 sheep. We see that in 1 Kings 8.63. That must have been the greatest barbecue ever in the world. Whew! I would be, who had to do all that work, man? I'm telling you. A great, great smell. 
We also see one more in Hezekiah. Hezekiah gave a festival where he brought 2,000 bulls and 17,000 sheep were given as a peace offering. We go back and read that in 2 Chronicles 30, verse 24. Now we pick up here again now in chapter 3, verse 6. In this offering, as a sacrifice, a peace offering to the Lord is of the flock whether male or female, the, he shall offer it without blemish. If he offers a, a lamb as his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay the hand on the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's son shall sprinkle its blood all around the altar. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord, its fat and the whole fat tail, which he shall remove close to the backbone, and the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails. Verse 10. The two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food and offering made by fire to the Lord. So we see here in this offering of a sheep as a peace offering. Uh, he offers the lambs, a lamb of his offering. The procedure was generally the same. Uh, as we just were reading, as the offerings of the bull and the cow, the blood and the fat were given to the Lord, while the meat portion were to then be brought and offered to the priest to provide for them. And we also see the fact that there was something special that most people don't even think about and talk about, and that's the whole fat tail uh, that was supposed to be removed all the way back to the backbone. And this offering of the whole fat tail was significant because this portion of the animal was considered a delicacy from the animal and could weigh as much as 60 pounds. It would provide a lot for the, the offering. And so it was very delicate. It's delicate meat. Maybe it's filet mignon that we would consider today for us. But for them, it was that whole uh, fat tail. That's what you want. What are you serving? A delicacy. Fat tail for you tonight. Come to my house, you know. It was definitely a beautiful thing they would love to offer. Verse 12. And in his offering is a goat. Then he shall offer it before the Lord, and he shall lay his hand on the head and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle its blood all around the altar. You notice when he brought the sacrifice, he's still laying his hand on the head to represent the transferring of anything that he needs to give to the Lord, to lay it down, to be able to be sacrificed, to be burnt. They, you, symbolization to transfer and represent what that uh, sacrifice is doing for you personally. And then he shall offer from it his offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. Verse 15. The two kidneys and the fat that is on them. By the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. This shall be perpetual statue throughout your generations in all your dwellings. You shall eat neither fat nor blood." So we see in here in the conclusion of chapter 3 that fat and the blood belong to God. You are not to partake of it in this offering. It's, and it represents two things, spiritual significance and practical significance for the people. The spiritual significance is that you shall not eat, eat neither fat nor blood. Why? Because there was a 
command relevant to the peace offering that we should enjoy the peace with God by giving him the best. The best was the fat. It represented the fat here. And and by giving him your lives, it represented by the blood. So you're giving the best that you have to God's purpose and to to, to worship and to give. First fruits, the first of the best, you're to give the fat. That was the best of the animal. The blood was a spiritual significance of showing you're giving your life or the animal's giving the life. It represents the life or giving him our lives for to worship him and to, for his service. Now, the practical piece of this, as we will see, is that, that this commandment, the, pro, the prohibition of eating fat was good for Israel from the standpoint of blood cholesterol and from heart disease. God says this is eating too much of this is not good for his people. And it was especially good because tapeworms were often found in the fatty tissues and by obeying the commandment, the ancient Israelites avoided this dangerous parasites that are found in tapeworms that dwell within the fat of those animals. Where's the connection with the Lord? On the cross, Jesus Christ purchased reconciliation with God. We see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 16 through 21. He offered us peace with God through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.20. And for all who trust him and we can have full fellowship with God and other believers because of his shed blood. We see that in 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. So the Lord, again, all the way through this, from the burnt offering to the grain offering to the peace offering, we can see how Jesus represented and is fulfilled all of what we see laid out by the law of God here, by the instructions of God, is fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ for you and I uh, as a saint. Chapter 4, we see the sin offering. In chapter 4, we see that now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel saying, If a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything that which ought not to be done and does any of them, well, let's stop right there for a minute, first of all, and recognize he's starting to talk about personal sins in their lives. Personal sins that are unintentionally done. It's the idea is not so much of an accidental sin, but of sin committed by a person who basically uh, who loves God and in, in, in the, the contrast to an unintentional sin who is to, who's, who presumptuously, um, uh, arrogantly um, sins. So you've got two different people when you talk about sins. You've got someone who loves God and who, who, who accidentally sins or falls into the sins and really is, is, finds himself slipping and falling. But we're talking about also those who are, uh, in contrast, unintentional sin or sins that's arrogantly done. It was no atonement available, as we will see, even in Numbers chapter uh, 15 verse 30, we know that these people who, unint- uh, who arrogantly sin, who, who had no problem sinning and still trying to come and, as an Israelite and offer, we see in the scripture there was no atonement available to the one whose heart was defiantly turning against the Lord. Arrogantly said, I don't care. I'll sin in the end. If I need to come do what I need to do at the altar, then I do it at the altar. It's just, it's whatever. I'll just show up and sit in that pew and it's no big deal. I'm going to continue to sin. And I'll, I'll still sing to him like I'm worshiping to him. I might give him a little bit here and there and, and do a few things. But you're arrogantly saying, I'm going to continue to sin. Well, the, 
God warned the people, there's no atonement then. You just don't come in and give a sin offering when there was not a burnt offering, especially to, to lay down your life and have, give your life down at the altar and have it be changed. Verse 3. If the anointed priest sins, now we're talking about the, the, sin, the actual priest sinning, bring, uh, bringing guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned, a, a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord and lay his hand on the bull's head and kill the bull before the Lord. So he had to put his hands on to represent, okay, this is sin. I'm placing the sin on that animal because it's going to be sacrificed so that blood of that animal will cover my sin. This is a priest now. Keep in mind, is, is, is doing this, uh, had to have a burnt offering coming in because of the, of the sin offering to cover for what he, what he did. Uh, then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and bring, bring it to the tabernacle, meaning the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord which is in the tabernacle of meeting, and he shall pour the remaining blood of the bull on at the base of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall take from it all the fat of the bull as a sin offering, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat which is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, for the by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove as it was taken from the bull of the sacrifice of the peace offering and the priest shall burn them on the altar of the burnt offering but the bull's hide and all its flesh with its head and legs and its entrails and offal Verse 12, the whole bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burnt it on wood with fire where the ashes are poured out and it shall be burnt. So we look here in verses 3 through 12 and we see that if a priest needed a sin offering made on his behalf, a bull had to be sacrificed on his behalf with the priest's identifying with the victim by putting his hand on that animal and, and, and representing that that animal is going to sacrifice his life for this priest. And the presence of a separate ritual of cleansing for the sin of this priest shows you the, how important and how great accountability is for that priest to before the Lord where in a sense judged according to a stricter measure because of the fact that he is in the position of a priest representing God and, and uh, ministering to people. He is going to be held at a higher cost accountability of anyone who's teaching and ministering to people. But when that happened, you notice some differences when we did the burnt offering and we looked at these other offerings. There was something a little bit different. That in this offering, the blood of the bull was applied to the veil of the tabernacle where the priest ministered to. Right there at that, the, the, the veil that separated uh, in the inner inner. Uh, of the tabernacle from the Holy of Holies. That veil as before they're going in from the incense and everything. They had to take the blood and seven times they're, they're sprinkling blood on the veil to represent the covering of that sin. Sin is an offense against the holiness of God. So the veil guarding his holiness presence must receive the sacrificial blood. That is why they do that. Sin affects our prayer life. It will affect the priest's prayer life, uh, prayer life. So the altar of incense, which is a representing of the prayers of God's people, must receive the sacrificial blood. That is why that was covered. 
And sin makes our atonement, one mint with the Father, necessary so that the altar of the burnt offering, the place of atonement, must receive the sacrificial blood. So that is why it's different here for the priests of the sin offering. He also, we saw, he shall take from it the fat of the bull as the sin offering. Again, the fatty portions of the animal were offered to God and the best was given as a delicacy or dedicated to God after the blood covered the sin. But notice also the, the bull's hide and all its flesh was burned on the wood with fire. The valuable hide of that animal and the meat of the bull were burnt outside the camp alongside the worthless portions of the bull. It could not be offered to God because it was burned as if it was a worthless thing. The sin is worthless. It's not worth it. It cannot be offered. It must be taken outside and dealt with. All selfish motives had to be removed in the sin offering. If a priest brought the offering, the whole offering had to be destroyed. If a non-priest brought the offering, we see. The priest could eat of it, but not the one bringing the sacrifice. You couldn't bring a sin offering because you wanted meat or leather. Some people would do that. They had a selfish motivation. If I come to the, the tabernacle and I did this, then I could get the high or I can get the meat or I can get some benefit from the tabernacle. Nothing new under the sun. Many people will come to church with a wrong motive. Let's go to church to see what we can get out of the church. Maybe we can talk them to getting money. Maybe we can talk them to getting this. We can do this. There's sometimes people will come with a wrong motive. They're not coming to worship and give all to God and give what God says to give to Him and to serve and to worship and to love other people. No, they're coming to see what they can get, 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 and never think about giving. God understands your motive of our hearts when we come to worship Him. We must worship, and we can in the sin offering. He says, no, 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 you can't take advantage of this and try to get some benefit from this. You take it outside the camp and get rid of this. We see Paul express the same attitude in the New Testament in Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8. He says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as what? Rubbish that I may gain Christ. Go take it out to the rubbish pile and burn and get rid of it. That, that motive, that, that benefit, anything, it is nothing compared to my, what I receive from Christ my Savior. That's the right attitude. Verse 13. Now if, now, if the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally, the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything which should not be done and are guilty. When the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull for the sin and bring it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the elders of the congregations shall lay their hands on the herd of the bull before the Lord, then the bull shall be killed before the Lord. The anointed priest shall bring some of the bull's blood to the tabernacle of meeting. Then the priest shall dig his, dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. And it shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting, and he shall pour the remaining blood at the base of the altar and the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall take all the fat from it and burn it on the altar, and he shall do with the bull as he did with the bull as a sin offering. This he shall do with it. So the priest shall make atonement for them, and it shall be forgiven them. Then he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it as it is, 
as he burned the first bull, and it is a sin offering for the assembly. So now we're talking about dealing with sins of the, of the nation of Israel, and or in this case, the Israelites, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle here, and dealing with how, what's the procedure with uh, how to deal with this. And it was the same as the sin offering on behalf of the priests. It was the same issue dealing with the, their sin that the nation, the elders of the congregation, had to lay their hands on that animal to be able to sacrifice it for the nation of Israel. Verse 22, then the, a ruler, now a ruler, someone is a position of authority, a ruler has sinned and done something unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord. Has God in anything which should not be done and is guilty? Or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge and he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a male without blemish, and he shall lay the hand on the head of the goat and, it shall, and kill it at the price where they killed the burnt offerings before the Lord and it is a sin offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offerings and pour its blood at the base of the altar of the burnt offerings. Verse 26. And he shall burn all its fat on the altar like the fat on the sacrifice of the peace offering so the priest should make atonement for him concerning his sin and it shall be given him. Now we take a look at this section right here and we see a ruler has sinned and it come to acknowledge that he has sinned. The procedure was similar yet again with the offering for the priests and for the nation at large. The sacrifice victim was a male goat and the blood was only applied to the altar of the burnt offering and that the fat was burned on the altar as the peace offering in this regards. Now, according to Leviticus chapter 6, when we get there, verse 24 through 30, the rest of the animal was available for the priest to consume in this regards. It was allowed to do that. Verse 27, And if anyone of on the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord, in anything which ought not to be done and is guilty, or if his sins which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats and a female without blemish for his sin which he has committed. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin, of the sin offering and kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of, the, of its blood with its fingers and put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all the fat as, as fat is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering and the, the priest shall burn it on the altar for sweet aroma to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for him, amonement with God for him, covering that sin, and it shall be forgiven him. If he brings a lamb as a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Then he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill it as a sin offering at the place where they kill the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of the blood off of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, as the fat or the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering, then the priest shall burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by the, the fire to the Lord, so that the priest shall make atonement for his sin that he has committed, and it shall be forgiven him. So we see here at the end of chapter 4 that... If anyone of the common people sins unintentionally, this was the same procedure of the ruler of the people, except a female goat could be used to, in the offering, or a lamb could be offered instead of a male goat. Again, presumably the rest of the animal was available for the priest to consume to be able to provide for him. And this meant that the sin offering for a civil ruler or common man was less costly than the sin offering of the priest 
again, or even the nation of, his, of, the, of the whole nation, those were much more greater sacrifice than just the ruler or a common person. And the only prophet a priest could gain from his own sin offering was spiritual and can never be material. Being a priest, being a pastor, being this, you should not, I should not be in the ministry for personal gain to become wealthy and famous and all the things that the world would offer. That is not why you get into the ministry. That's not why you're a pastor. You're not, that's why you're not a priest. You are to be God's messenger to serve the people to, as a servant, as a slave, and it should never be. And if you don't live to God's way, there is a greater sacrifice. There's greater consequences that has a rippling effect. Now, for the sake of time, we're at 740, so we're 10 minutes already over our normal time here. Chapter 5, what we'll find is I'll pick back up next week with Chapter 5 uh, for the ceremonial cleansing of the, the trespass offering or the guilt offering. And we will take that through chapter 5 and will lead us right into the following chapters. Again, uh, 6, 7, 8, we'll wrap those all up there for the sake of time.